Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. Should we get your Bibles open up to the gospel according to John chapter 8? The gospel according to John chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 31 is where we're going to, <clears throat> where we're going to start off. To give you a little bit of background, there was some Jews who had actually trusted in Jesus, and we'll see from that 31st verse that uh, Jesus is, is uh, addressing those individuals, even though there is certainly some monologue that's involved here, some other people that include themselves into this conversation. Um, this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus Christ was most concerned about these new believers, these people who had just believed in him, these Jews who had just believed in him. Um, Jesus was big on, which I believe that the church should be big on as well. <clears throat> doesn't seem like the modern-day church is very big on this, but it, it, it's extremely important for, um, for the church of Jesus Christ to as clearly as we can possibly represent Jesus and what means one of his disciples, that to be clearly portrayed or relayed to individuals who say they're going to trust in him. We know that in Luke chapter 14, Jesus had a large crowd of individuals who was following him after he had left the dinner. And that passage of scripture says that he turned and he said to them, and he said some of the most difficult things for people to actually hear. He said things like, if you come to me and do not hate your mother, father, brother, sister, um, wife, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. He wasn't, he was not under any circumstances saying that people needed to hate people, but he was saying that when it came to relationships, our relationship with Jesus should supersede any human relationship on the planet. When he said, um, if you if uh, if you do not come after me and take up my cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Um, Jesus is basically saying, if you don't take on my desires, if you don't take on my will, if you don't walk in my steps, you can't be my disciple. Uh, these would have been very difficult things for people to hear. Most people followed Jesus back then because he was known to perform miracles, so people wanted to see a miracle. They wanted to hear him say something to religious leaders of the day that dumbfounded them. They wanted to they wanted to be fed like they'd heard stories of before. There was people who wanted to follow Jesus for their for uh for their own personal benefit, for their own entertainment, for their own satisfaction. And we live in a world today where there are some very distinct lines that are drawn between the church. Now, I'll be the first one to say Southern Baptists aren't the only ones going to heaven. I will be shoulder to shoulder with a lot of people from a lot of different denominations. Uh, but I can also stand up here and tell you that there are a whole lot of Southern Baptists that won't be going to heaven. Uh, this isn't about denomination. This is about the church. And it should be phrased as the church. Is the church being the church or is the church not being the church? Well, there's a large percentage of what is claiming to be the church in the world today that is not being the church because the church isn't the building where people come and sit in a pew. The church is building a ramp for people who are going to be stuck in wheelchairs. The church is providing meals for people who are recovering from surgeries because they can't. That's, that is Jesus' hands being extended to individuals who are in need. As a Christian, it's important for us to understand, and this is where Jesus is headed in this passage of Scripture, it's important for us to not only be people who teach, but also people who are willing to learn that being a Christian means something more than attending a church. It means something more than picking up the Bible and reading it. 
I've said before, I have known a lot of atheists in my 32 years of ministry. A lot of atheists. And I'm telling you, some of these atheists knew the Bible better than I do. Because they desire to know what the Bible says. Because somebody knows the Bible doesn't make them a Christian. Because somebody sits in a pew doesn't make them a Christian. Because someone says they believe in Jesus doesn't make them a Christian. The number of people we have in this world who say that they believe in Jesus, I've said this before, folks. It's no secret. I'll stand up here and say that I believe life begins at conception. Believe the Bible's clear. I mean, if it made sense to believe in such a thing, I would say life, life begins before conception because God, didn't he say, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb? Life is life. Now, the thing is, when individuals want to argue about whether life is life or life is not life, who gets to determine the truth there? Do we? There's a hundred people in this sanctuary, and you ask a hundred people their opinion on the matter, how many different opinions are you going to get? Everyone's going to have a different opinion. We have to have a source, a foundation of truth by which all of us are defining Christianity. What's that source? You can hold it up in the air if you want to. God's holy word. 66 books preserved over 5,500 years made it to us in our hands. It's a miracle for it to even be here. God intended for it to be here because it's supposed to be our model for life. It's important that Christians be Christians according to the way that God defines them, not according to the way that we as individuals define them. What was the response when individuals told Jesus that they believed? Or Paul? They said, we believe in Jesus. The demons also believe and they shudder. So what's the difference between a demon's belief and ours? And I'm I'm getting to a point with this, folks. There is only one source of action for us as individual humans. Either we will be led by our nostrils, by people and opinions, or we will be led by our heart, by God himself. The world we live in today, how many of you guys know there's a lot of, a whole lot of opinions about everything under the sun going on today? And people just buying it hook, line, and sinker. They're just running around like crazy based on what it is that they think, based on what it is that they heard that somebody else told them. Who knows where their source is? The sources are everywhere. You're not allowed in the world we live in today to think anything different than anyone else. Well, I should say those who are right. Those You're not allowed to think any different than those who are right. As Christians, who's right? God's right. We're not right. Matter of fact, everything in the Bible says we're wrong from birth. We've never been right. If there's any right in our lives at all, that right only comes from Christ. Christianity has two driving um, forces 
at the beginning of a relationship with Christ, and he covers those in this particular passage of Scripture. And then we're going to see a little bit of a contrast of some individuals who are actually thrown into this particular passage of Scripture. So if you look at verse 31 in John, the Gospel according to John chapter 8, it says, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, ha, first one, First requirement to be a, to be someone who follows Jesus Christ or someone who is a disciple is to believe him. Did you notice? And you can look at this and you can look at this in the original Hebrew and the Greek. Does it say those who had believed in him? Doesn't say those who had believed in him, does it? Those who had believed him. Now the first and the second are very much attached to each other. Okay? Because believing him is where everything should rest. Abraham, Old Testament, pre-Christ. Abraham, what? Believed God. Not believed in God, but Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. I've gotten into some pretty big theological discussions with people. People of the Old Testament were saved by the exact same thing that people in the New Testament are saved by. Believing God. That's the hinge pin. Believing God is what everybody's salvation hangs on. God said that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Do you believe him? Because that's the requirement. The first requirement to become a disciple of Christ is to believe him. Let's read the rest of that verse. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, is there a difference between believing his words and abiding in his words? I've never seen more um, carefully... um, What's the words? I've never seen individuals who conducted their lives more carefully than individuals who are sitting in a church. People who cuss out there all week long, don't cuss in here. People who fight out there all week long, don't fight in here. It's amazing how when people walk into a church, it's like all of a sudden they're good. And for a lot of people, church is Sunday. Hey, got to be good. I'm in church. Sunday, Monday hits. What happens? It's not abiding in the church, although I've had some kids who thought that I that my abode was the church, because every time they would, I guess it was, and I say how it's confusing to them, they'd show up and I was here, and they would leave and I was here, and, and I've had little kids walk up to me and go, do you live here? And it's like, let me show you my bathtub. <laughs> and she's like, oh, big bathtub. It's not abiding in the church, it's abiding in his word. It's to... Make his word our abode. It's to live in his word. So whether that's, um, according to the Apostle Paul, in season or out of season, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're on holiday. It doesn't matter if you're on vacation. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to be individuals who abide in his word. And the second part of this relationship and discipleship is we have to be people who Abide in his word. We care. Now, who's perfect at abiding in God's word? Anybody? If there's anybody, I need to meet with you after church. I want to know your secret. Nobody's perfect. 
But I can tell you that someone who is genuinely a Christian, it matters the way that they conduct their lives. It matters the things they think. It matters the things that they say. It matters the things that they do. Those things deeply matter to us. When we make mistakes, do we need somebody to whip us for it? We feel pretty bad about it automatically. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit has this amazing effect on us when we're disobedient or unfaithful or we make mistakes. The grace of God, if we're if we've got our heads screwed on straight, it's pretty quick to turn around, help us to remember that we're forgiven for those sins. Jesus picking us up, dusting us off, and sending us on our way to make our next mistake. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But the fact is, we should want to be. That should be our desire. Not because some preacher's telling you to be perfect. Not because you're suffering pressure from some individual in your family or suffering pressure from some individual... That's, that's who we are to our core. When we trust in Jesus, we want to do the things that are pleasing to him. And the only way we do things that are pleasing to him is to know him. To know not only him, but what he would do in particular situations. The old, what would Jesus do? How many times have you used that in your life? Brings clarity. I mean, honestly, it does. There's, a, there's situations where if you're praying for God's will, you just ask yourself that question, what would Jesus do? And a lot of times it brings a lot of clarity to a decision. But when he talks about the truth shall make you free, he's not talking about physical bondage. He's talking about spiritual bondage. a good chance that we will hit a point in time in our life where people are going to try to force us to be vaccinated. Everybody fans of forced vaccinations? Children? Forcing your kids to be vaccinated before they go to school? You being forced to be vaccinated before you can go out into the general public? What about what about this? We're already hearing this. and I, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, folks, but I'm going to tell you that I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the day coming, potentially in my lifetime, where you, I could be arrested for standing up here on this pulpit saying the things I say. I've already been deleted from Facebook twice, which that's a mark of honor. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's a mark of honor. But it does hurt in getting the message out, right? Corporate mentality. Think the way that I tell you to think or else. At the point that you become enslaved to anyone or anything else, Jesus uses the example of sin in a bit, the point in time that we become enslaved to anything else, something somebody believes, something somebody says, something somebody does, we've traded our freedom for bondage. We've traded our freedom for bondage. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about people being of one heart, of one mind, one purpose, right? How in the world can you take a bunch of people and, and give them one mind and one purpose? Well, if every one of them are driven by the same source, right? Somebody wants to force me to believe that ending the life of a baby in a mother's womb is not sin. Where do I get my information that I stand on? From science, from doctors, 
or from the Bible? It's from the Bible. Why is it not okay to lie? Because your parents taught you? Because your grandparents taught you? Because your step-parents taught you? Or because the Bible says so? When you take lies and you take gossip and you take backbiting and you take all of the things that create relationship problems in the world we live in and you find one source that gives everybody the exact same advice and everybody decides that they're going to live in that source's advice, then guess what miraculously becomes created out of that? Unity. Peace. Purpose. You know, there are places in the Scripture where we're reminded to pull it all in. Does anybody else live kind of a crazy life at times? You've got so many things that are going on and so many things that you're dealing with that it just feels like your brain's out there flapping in the wind. Thinking about a lot of stuff but not really drawing any conclusions. Not really bringing any closure. Once in a while, the only way that you can take care of that is to pull it all back in and tie it up. We have to be people who are pulling it in and tying it up. Because otherwise we find ourselves in bondage. We find ourselves in bondage to things other than the one thing we are supposed to be willingly bound to, which is Christ. Every one of the apostles called themselves bond servants of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be bound to do something, I would much rather be bound to do something for the one that I've given my life to than to be bound to do something for someone for their own satisfaction and purpose. We're going to get into those individuals who are in the contrast. But folks, the truth shall make you free. I've mentioned many times, Jesus himself said, he said for us to put our yoke upon, or put his yoke upon us. For his yoke is light and his burden's easy. And I remember early on in my Christian faith when I read that, I thought, how can the man who lived 33 and a half years on earth three and a half years in ministry, who was constantly being chased by people to be murdered, who ultimately was beat beyond recognition, nearly bled to death, carried a cross, an unrealistic distance for someone who'd been beaten like that, nailed to a tree to die of asphyxiation. How can this guy say, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is light and my burden is easy? It's because for him, it was easy to do what the Father told him to do. What anybody else thought didn't matter. What anybody else said didn't matter. What anybody else did didn't matter. There are still huge theological discussions that are happening as to whether Jesus Christ was being punished by Satan or Jesus Christ was trying to be diverted by Satan when it came to the way that he was punished at the end of his life. Does it matter? Those are questions that don't matter. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. There is salvation in his name. There is no other name under heaven, on heaven, in heaven, or on earth by which a man must be saved. He lived the perfect life and he died on the cross. And he didn't die on the cross because Satan put him there. He died on the cross willingly. Because the Father sent him to die on the cross. 
So we can ask a whole bunch of theological questions that clouds the, the, the factual statement. The factual statement is Jesus Christ died on the cross to set us free. To set us free from sin. The penalty of sin. Not only the penalty of sin, but the acting out of sin. How many of you guys had a life before Christ? Anybody besides me have a life before Christ? Where would you be today if Christ had never become a part of your life? I told everybody when I was younger that I wouldn't live to see 40. And I believe wholeheartedly that if I had not come to know Jesus Christ at the age of 16, I would not have lived to be 40. Because I lived life with a tiger by the tail. Drove like a maniac, lived like a maniac, drugs, alcohol, the high life. If it wasn't for Jesus, I don't even want to imagine where my life would be. So, was I set free? Yes, I was absolutely set free. Jesus set me free through his action, but he continues to set me free through his words. Because as long as his words are in me, and I am abiding in those words, then it means very little to me what people think. Do I have to be careful? Absolutely. Should everything that I say to people be the truth and love? Absolutely. Intentions and motivations mean everything. It's not okay just to want to be right. When we talk to somebody on the street about Jesus, it's important for us to be careful to try not to be offensive with our words. If God's words are offensive, that's something entirely different. But the truth is the truth. And, and Jesus' truth is the only truth that can set us free. It's the only truth that can set anybody free. It says in 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you should become free? Well, this, on one hand, seems kind of crazy, seeing how the Jews hadn't physically been free in a very, very long time. At this point, over 400 years. There were five, six different countries that had the Jews under their thumb. So he's not talking about physical freedom. He's talking about spiritual freedom. So Jesus decides to put them to the test. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If, therefore, the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Here's what he's saying in a nutshell. If we're left to our own devices, we are driven by our own satisfactions. If we're left to our own natural fallen state, then we will be nothing different than natural fallen human beings. We will continue to be driven by the things that we desire. You think that a drug addict's willing to steal to fund their drug habit? Alcoholic willing to steal? Drug addict willing to fight to support their drug habit? In many cases, a drug addict willing to kill to support their drug habit? 
their actions, their words, they're driven by the addiction. I have a huge heart for people who are addicted. I'll never say that it was God's will that I was involved with those things when I was younger, but I can tell you that it's helped me to approach these things extremely differently than I would have otherwise. Individuals who come to me and tell me that they're locked into drug addictions, the first thing I think of is, I've been there. And you have compassion for those individuals because you know that the struggle's real. You know that as bad as they may want to do what is right, it seems impossible to do what is right. I know what it feels like to pull away from those things. The physical, mental, and emotional strain. That's bondage, folks. There is no better word for it. That is enslavement. I know people who are enslaved to lying, people who are enslaved to adultery, people who are enslaved to cheating. Sin enslaves people. Jesus Christ is appealing to these individuals by letting them know that you don't get your freedom from Abraham. You get your freedom from Christ. Thirty-seven says, I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my seen with my father. Therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You cannot hear my word. Who in here likes to, who in here, let me start this way. Who in here has ever felt conviction? Hopefully all of us who have given our life to Christ have felt conviction. Who likes feeling convicted? Any takers? It is not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling for a human being. If our desire as a believer in Jesus Christ is to truly become more conformed to the image of Jesus? If we're individuals who genuinely know what the world has to offer and what Christ has given us. If I sit back and think, the last 32 years of my life, being involved, being a Christian, 30 years being involved in ministry, the number of blessings that have come as a result of my relationship with Jesus Christ are numerous. Why in the world would I fight or restrict God's movement when all of the evidence that I have to live on 
is positive? Well, the answer is because I'm human. The answer is because we as humans, we like sin. As the fallen, natured human beings, we like sin. Amen? Anybody else willing to admit that in here? As individuals who have been given new life in Christ, it creates a conflict. The Apostle Paul himself said he has a battle that is warring in his members. The fight between the spirit and the flesh. Paul was even going so far. The guy who wrote most of the books in the New Testament. So why is it that the things that I want to do, these are not the things that I do, but the things that I don't want to do, these are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this life? Paul was speaking the truth. He was speaking as a human being. Enslavement to sin. Led me nowhere any good. And for anybody in here who has trusted in Christ and had that life before Christ, you can agree with that. Because I believe that it is a universal statement. Sin never did anything good in my life. But Christ did. We're not Christians because we call ourselves Christians. We're not Christians because we go to church. We're only Christians if we are Christians. We're being Christians. And it was revealed to me many years ago, why don't I open my Bible ambitiously? You know what I mean by that, right? Instead of, well... I need to go punch the clock today and spend my 10 or 15 minutes in God's Word. When's the last time you ran to your Bible and all the way to your Bible you prayed, God, I can't wait to soak myself in your Word. Please break my heart. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you opened it up and said, To you, Lord, I'm transparent. You see who I am. You see where I'm at. If there's anything that you need to teach me today, please teach me, no matter the cost. We don't like pain. We spend our life trying to avoid it. But this is a principle that's repeated throughout Scripture. Paul told Timothy, suffer as a good soldier, suffer with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, hey, once in a while, you're going to suffer. He said, you get up in the morning and you make up your mind before your feet hit the floor that you are going to suffer for Jesus today. When's the last time you woke up with that attitude? You know what? Today, I'm going to get myself banned from Facebook. I'm going to Facebook jail today. It's amazing to me in the book of Acts 
if you read the Apostle Paul's early years in ministry, in early missions, I should say, mission trips, going to one town straight to the synagogue, turn that synagogue on its ear, speak things so truthful it made people want to kill him, so he left. Ran straight to the next city, went straight into the synagogue, turned it on its ear. It finally got to the point that Paul's disciples had to say, Hey, Paul, you better go to Athens for a while and hide out. We'll come find you later. But after the third city, you turn on its ear. You have got a posse mob who is now searching the countryside for you. So you just go to Athens and take a break. So Paul goes to Athens. What does he do? Walking around the city, he notices all of these statues, but he notices one place that there is no statue, but it says the statue to the unknown God. So Paul, who's supposed to be taking it easy so that he's protected and safe while the crowd's all gone, stands up in a crowd of people and says, hey, this statue to the unknown God, I know who he is. Let me tell you about him. People say, wow, you know, that's radical. Jesus needs more radicals. Not people who go around hurting people. Not people who go around and say things that are hateful or do things to cause pain. That's not what Christians do. But people who are willing to boldly speak the truth regardless of the consequences. People who are willing to boldly read the truth without fear of the consequences. I can promise you that there are people who take it too far and there are people who don't take it far enough. And the percentage of people in this world who take it just far enough are very far and few between. If we don't continue to teach desire to understand what this life in Christ expects of us, then we'll continue to be people who just float, who are blown around by every circumstance, blown around by everything that's spoken, never really having our feet on firm ground. It's important that we know the Word of God. It's important that we live the Word of God. But it's important that we know why we live the Word of God. To be grounded in Him, dedicated to Him, invested in Him. As this world continues to get worse, it's going to become harder and harder to get ourselves in that place. Had a lot of training. Been through a lot of life. Been in ministry for a long time. Seen a lot of things. And I can tell you today, with my relationship with other pastors, it ain't easy for us. Any preacher who stands up and tells you that the ministry life is easy is not doing it right. It's not, not easy. And I'll say again, as I've said many times before, what's the difference between me and you? When it all comes down to it, what's the difference in expectations from God between me and you? aren't any. No differences. 
The only major difference is I'm going to stand before God, give an account for the pastor that I was to a church. But that's even a very small difference because all of you are going to stand before God and give him, him an account for your life. And I would be amiss if I didn't mention this. This isn't just a matter of us being able to stand. But there are lives in the balance. Eternal lives in the balance. The gospel has to be proclaimed. It has to be proclaimed verbally, but it also has to be proclaimed through our actions. I love to hear people complain about younger people and the way they act. Where do they learn that from? The church in the country really doesn't go out and share the gospel a whole lot. Well, where did they learn that from? It's time for us, one, to accept some responsibility for where the church is at today. It's not all bad. Some of it is good. The Lord's used us in major ways to do big things. But year after year, when children are born, if we aren't telling people about Jesus and we aren't teaching them how to tell people about Jesus, then what are they going to do? I can tell you what they're not going to do. They're not going to tell people about Jesus. I could spend another hour. Don't worry, I won't. I could spend another hour talking to you about exactly how big this canopy of abiding in his word gets. It literally affects every aspect of life, believer and non-believer. The only way we continue to know it and to grow it is to read it and believe it. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. Um, I'm asking you to come down the aisle. I'm COVID-free, soaked in hand sanitizer. If you're not comfortable with doing that, you can contact me, and we'll meet over the phone, or we can sit on opposite ends of the church and yell at each other. I can't save you, but I am willing to spend whatever time is necessary to sit down and talk to you about the one who can. If you're a believer here today, I don't want you to hear what I said. I don't want you to respond to what I said. During this invitation time, after you leave this place, if you're thinking about God's word, things that were said this morning, and the Holy Spirit moves you, then I would encourage you to move. Not because the preacher told you to, but because Jesus asked you to. We're at a point in life, folks, in this world that it's important for us to learn how to do things right to make it a part of who we are and to continue to teach that to those that we've been given the responsibility to the Holy Spirit moves you just move thank you for joining us today 
If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.